Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Psalm 51. Amen. Psalm 51. Psalm of David that says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned, so that you are proved right when you speak and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful. From the time my mother conceived me, surely you desire truth in the inner parts. You teach me wisdom in the inmost part place. Cleanse me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear the joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take the Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of thy salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Let's pray. And So Father, we thank you for your grace and for your mercy. Thank you for the work of the Holy Spirit that is here amongst us even today. Be glorified amongst us, Lord God. Speak to us by your Holy Spirit. The spirit of wisdom and revelation be here even today, even as we, as we share the word. Let the gifts of the Spirit even be in operation. We're here to serve you, to worship you, and to glorify you, Lord God. Let our ears be open to hear the voice of the Spirit, I pray, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're in a series. We're in a series entitled The Pathway to Joy as we head towards Christmas. Uh, one of the reasons why Jesus came uh, is so that we could experience this emotion called joy. Um, angels appeared to the shepherds and said, I'll bring you good news of great joy. What, what, what is the great news? What is the good news? What is the good news that's going to bring joy? A Saviour has been born and His name is Jesus. Zion prophesied about the coming of Jesus. He described the ministry of Jesus, what Jesus came to do, what a person that surrendered to him would experience. Isaiah says, this is, this is Isaiah 61, a prophecy about Christ. Hundreds of years before Jesus even came to earth, this is what he said. He says, he came to give the oil of joy instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. One of the characteristics that ought to distinguish followers of Jesus Christ is joy. Come on, can I hear an amen somewhere? Are you happy this morning? Yes. Are you rejoicing this morning? The reality is very few of us experience this emotion called joy, which is kind of strange because we live in a nation where we have everything. Seriously, uh, we have absolutely everything at our fingertips. There's, there's, there is absolutely nothing missing in our lives. You know, we can even talk to a computer and it talks back to us and tells us. I mean, the, the, the days we are living in, the things that we can do, the things that we have available to us, we should be able to experience this thing called joy. We should be the happiest people on earth. And yet, what seems to be missing in our lives more than anything else is joy. Some people say, well, it's easy for you to talk about joy. You don't know what I've been through. Because if you knew what I've been through, if you know what I'm going through even right now, then you wouldn't be talking like this. You know, if there was someone who understood something about joy, it was the Apostle Paul. 
Uh, and look what he went through. I mean, it, it, it astounds me. As I, as I was looking at this list, it just astounds me what this man of God went through. He talks about it in 2 Corinthians. He lists all the things that happened to him. Five times he got 39 lashes. 40 lashes minus one. 40 lashes, he would have died. Five times, he got 39 lashes. Not once, not twice, not three times. Five times, he was beaten with rods, shipwrecked. Uh, he spent a day and a night in the open sea, bobbing up and down in an open sea. Um, I, I, that, 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 that just that blows my mind to even think about that. Um, he was bitten by a snake. He was stoned. Uh, one person said, well, at least he got a bit of relief. Um, it's not that kind of stoned, you know, okay. Um, it's a bit of joy in the house. It's great to see. Um, it's just incredible. I mean, I, I, as I was looking at this, I kind of did a pause. You know, he, he was, this was the Apostle Paul who was being used by God in an incredible way. You know, we have this concept in our heads that says, you know, if I, if I get closer to God, if I'm used by God more, then, my, then I'm going to have less issues in my life, less problems in my life. Well, here's the Apostle Paul who was being used mightily of God. And, and look at the list. Look at the list. Maybe one of the signs that we are being used by God, maybe one of the signs that we are, we are doing something significant for God is some, some challenging times. Some challenging times. Because the enemy is certainly not happy about what God is doing in and through our lives. Despite all of that, he had such a positive outlook on life. His most joy-filled letter was the letter to the Philippian church. Paul said to them, rejoice in the Lord always. And I'm going to say it again, rejoice. He's not saying rejoice in your circumstances because sometimes we can't rejoice in our circumstances. He's not saying rejoice in your job, rejoice in what you have. It's not, he's not saying rejoice in what's happening down here. He's saying rejoice in the Lord. He's our source of joy. He is our source of joy. The, the, when we get an understanding and a revelation of that, it changes our life. Um, I, love, I love the Italians, they used to sing this, this song, you know, I don't have very much, but I've got Jesus. I'm not very rich, but I've got Jesus. When you truly get a revelation of that, it changes your life. When, when, you know, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. When, 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 you, when you get a revelation that Jesus is your shepherd, that he's your Lord, suddenly he satisfies everything that you need. Rejoice in the Lord. And I say it again, rejoice. Now notice that's written in the emphatic. It's not, see how you go, things are going well, if life is good, then rejoice. There's a sense where Paul is telling the people, make a decision to rejoice. Paul understood that joy was a product of our decisions. Choices lead, feelings follow. Let's say that again. Choices lead, feelings follow. So many of us, are following our emotions and we're going nowhere. We need to make a decision. I'm going to rejoice in the Lord. There, there are certain decisions that we can make that lead us to experience joy and it's extremely important to understand that. The choices that we make have the capacity to bring us to a place of experiencing joy. Now the thought for this message is simple. If we want to experience joy, we need to choose joy. In other words, choices we make can either lead us to experience more happiness in our lives or experience sadness and sorrow and regret. Two weeks ago, we looked at the first pathway to joy and it was the choice to grow spiritually. 
that, you know, as we, as we make a decision to become more and more like Jesus, the, the more we become like Jesus, the closer we get to God, the more joy we will experience in our lives. Now, I, 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 I wish I could get that thought deep into your spirit. It doesn't mean you're gonna be richer. It doesn't mean you're gonna have a faster car, live in a better suburb. It doesn't mean necessarily all of those things, but you will experience more joy. It's just something very powerful about being in the will of God and doing the things that God is calling you to do and, and understanding who God is and what He's done in your life and understanding a relationship with God and what that means. It's just powerful. Um, you've heard me say already a number of times, but as, as I'm getting old, you know, and you're younger, oh God, give me this, or God, do this, oh God, I want this, oh God. Uh, as, as I'm getting older, I'm just learning uh, or just enjoying my relationship with God more than ever before. It's not coming into His presence with my Christmas shopping list, you know, these are the things I want and coming to God like He's my Father Christmas and, you know, would you please deliver these five things because these are the ones that are really going to change my life. And there's nothing wrong with that. We, we, we do need to pray. The Bible tells us, bring our needs before the Lord. He's the God that answers prayer. He's the God of the... I believe all of that. But, but, but what's happening for me anyway is that as I come into the presence of God, I'm just enjoying His presence. I'm just enjoying the Lord. Lord, you're an amazing God. Lord, you're a gracious God. I'm astounded at the wisdom of God. How smart God is. <laughs> He's pretty smart. I say, God, just the way you work is amazing. Just, just the things that you do are amazing. Just the way you operate. Look, you know, the hindsight of getting older, you know, now that I'm in my 40s, as you, as you just what? <laughs> as you get older, you, you kind of get to see how God has worked in your life. And at times, God has loved me so much, He's allowed me to go through some challenging times. That at that time, I was angry with God and say, God, what are you doing? But in retrospect, I say, God, you're so amazing that you loved me enough to allow me to even experience some of this because you were wanting to do something deep in my spirit. It's an amazing God. Just love God. First step, first choice that we can make is grow spiritually. Make a decision to know God in a greater and deeper way. Just starts with a simple prayer. Lord, I want to grow. I want to grow in my faith. Just start with that prayer there and you will begin to grow. I want to be like Jesus. Simple prayer. One second prayer, two second prayer. Lord, I just want to be like Jesus. I want to grow in my faith. But pray that cautiously because <laughs> He may just answer you. Today, I want to speak about another choice. It's the choice of purity. If there's one thing that's going to rob us of joy. It's guilt and shame and regret. Jesus said the thief comes only to steal, kill and destroy. You know, one of, the, one of the ways he does that is by tempting us or leading us into sin. So today what I want to do is look at how we can deal with sin because the Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I know that we think we're all pretty good, but we've all have dealt with, are dealing with, will need to deal with sin in our lives. And in order to, 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 to do that, because one of the strategies of the enemy to, that, that robs us of joy is, is this thing called sin. And uh, so we need to learn how to deal with that. And in order to do that, we're going to look at a familiar story in the Bible. It's when David sinned with Bathsheba. It's an intriguing story. And uh, what I love about the Bible is that it doesn't leave this out. Um, 
It doesn't manicure, Photoshop, no Instagram, you know, kind of let's make this all look good kind of, uh, kind of story. No, not at all. Uh, it's in there because God wants to speak to us, wants to tell us something. David, as we know, was a great man of God. And one day he was on the roof of the house, couldn't sleep that night. And there across the other side, he sees Bathsheba bathing. He calls for her, uh, gets her servants to go and get her. She comes. Um, she gets pregnant. Problem is she's married. Just a little problem. Uh, David's very, uh, you know, uh, comes up with plans quickly. You know, he's, he's um, very resourceful. So, uh, you know, goes to the whiteboard. Well, what can we do here? A, B, C, D, E. Uh, one of the options was, I know, kill Uriah. That'll, that'll do. Actually, before that one, there he says, let's bring him home from war. From war. Uh, he can spend the night with his wife and then it'll all cover everything up. It'll be fine. That was option A. Uh, option B was kill him. Um, option A didn't work because Uriah was a man of character. And so he ends up killing Uriah, ha- having him killed in the front of war. Everything was going fine for David until Nathan knocks on his door and uh, David is suddenly uh, faced with his sin. We learn so much from the life of David. Uh, We learn about leadership, worship. We learn about the presence of God through the life of David. David loved the house of God. He loved the presence of God. We learn so much from the life of David. He was a worshipper. We also learn from David how to deal with sin in our lives. After acknowledging his sin, he writes Psalm 51, Psalm 32. These are referred to as penitentiary psalms. Bit of theology for you. And uh, they teach us some really important principles. Now, before God, all sin is equal. Um, There's no such thing before God as, well, this is a big, sorry, that's really big sin, God says. I, I can't deal with that one there. No such thing as big and small sin before God. The Bible says, but where sin abounds, the grace of God abounds all the more. Can I hear an amen? Um, Thank God for the grace of God. Thank God for the grace of God. But the consequences of sin are not all the same. Sin has the capacity to mark our spirit deeply and undealt with, it has the capacity to destroy a marriage, a family, a nation, It has the capacity to destroy our lives more than anything. It'll rob us of joy. Undealt with, it'll it'll rob us of of joy that God wants us to experience. So what what I want to do is pull out three phrases before we break bread together this morning. Three phrases or three words that come out of Psalm 51. And I I pray that these words uh, will help us deal with the the sin that so often uh, shows up in our own lives. Um, first thing that we need to do with sin is, um, is we need to acknowledge it. You can write that down in your notes, number one. Psalm 51 begins, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions, wash all, away all my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. Uh, David says, wash me. That's the first phrase. It's, it's wash me. One of the first things that we need to do to deal with sin is acknowledge it. It's to bring it before the Lord. Now, I know this kind of sounds simple and it kind of sounds, no joke, you know. I mean, gee, that's profound, Pastor Joe. But yet this is probably the most difficult aspect of how we deal with sin. It's just to acknowledge it. Look what David said in Psalm 32. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. The word blessed there is actually the word 
happy or joyful. Blessed is the one whose sin is the Lord has, does not count against them and in whose spirit is no deceit. In other words, um, blessed is, happy is the person who has nothing to hide. Happy, happy is the person who's brought their sin before God and God has forgiven them. They've experienced the forgiveness of God. Happy is that person. He goes on to say, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away. Guilt is going to affect you physically. Through my groaning all day long, when I, kept, when I kept my sin inside, it affected me deeply. For day and night, your hand was heavy on me. And my strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. David, what David was saying, when I tried to, to cover up my sin, when I, when I tried to hide it, it actually affected me quite deeply. And then, verse 5 of Psalm 32, Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the guilt of my sin. It's a powerful scripture. When I acknowledged and dealt with my sin, then a, then a, then a, then a freedom came. There was a freedom. Some of you are struggling with some sins in your life and, and they might be draining you. Draining you. Greatest thing that you can do or that we can do is deal with it. Is confess it to God. Confess it to someone if we need to, if we're still struggling with this thing. And you need to talk to someone about it. Face it, acknowledge it, deal with it. Don't just, don't just bury it. Don't just, just, don't, don't just sweep it under the carpet. Some people spend their whole life pretending, hiding, blaming, making excuses for the, or justifying their sin. Oh, you know, but my life is pretty tough. A little bit of fun on the side is okay. That little bit of fun is going to destroy you. That little bit of fun is going to Destroy everything that you love uh, and, and hold dear in your life. Gre greatest thing that we can do is, 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 is deal with our sin, is confess it to God, bring it into the presence of God. Pastor Joe, when, when do I need to talk to someone about it and when, and when, and when do I just confess it to God? I, I, I believe those, those, there, are, there are some sins that just overwhelm us that we... We, we, don't know, uh, we don't know how to do it. it just, we just can't seem to let it go. Some of those need to be confessed. The Bible says, confess your sins one to another so that you may be healed. It's not always the case. First and foremost, the Bible says, we confess our sins to God. But there are, there are some that stick for whatever reason. And especially in the area of addiction, sometimes the greatest thing that we can do is just talk to someone about it, bring it into the light and allow someone to help us with it. Not the kind of thing I recommend you put on Instagram. You understand what I'm saying? That was a joke. <laughs> um, you just talk, you find someone that you know, that you, that you know can help you through that. Nathan goes to David and tells him a story about sheep. And I, I, just, I just love David's response. I've sinned against the Lord. Full stop. He admits to and acknowledges the sin in his life and, and that, that's the beginning of restoration. It's a word in the Bible that we don't really like. It's the word repentance. Um, it's kind of become religious, theological, you know. Um, repent is the word just to turn from the direction you're going and just go in the opposite direction. In other words, I'm heading in this direction here. Repentance is, you know what? 
I'm sick and tired of living this lifestyle. I'm, I'm sick and tired of carrying this thing. I'm sick and tired of, 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 of living in this space. I'm not going to live in this space anymore. I'm going to repent. I'm going to turn and I'm going to start heading in this other direction. Bible says, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out and that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. When, when, you know, we use John 10, 10, the, the, the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. When we read that phrase, we've said that so many times in scripture. We don't even, we, we, we don't even think about that anymore. The thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. A thief doesn't come to your house because he wants to bring you, you know, something, a present. That's, that's not why thieves come. They come because they want to steal. They, they, they want to they get something out. The enemy wants to kill and destroy our lives. He's not for you. He's not for your family. He's not for your marriage. He's not for you. One of the ways he does that is by appealing to our sin nature and by kind of tempting us to sin. And, and as, as we do, as we take that first step and then a second and third and fourth and fifth and, and, and then what becomes, what, 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 starts, what starts off as I'm in control suddenly becomes a habit or a stronghold and suddenly I'm no longer in control of, of this particular behaviour. Now what the Bible calls, we're a slave to sin. You know, I, 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 we live near some schools in, in, in our area and um, uh, you know, occasionally you see these, you know, year 11s or year 12s, you know, they're in the corner, there's two or three of them huddled, you know, near a bus stop somewhere usually. And they go, you know, they're, they're, they're puffing away, you know, on this cigarette, you know, and they think they're so cool, you know. <laughs> you know. And you, you drive fast and you go, these poor kids. Because maybe for the first 20 cigarettes, you're in control of that cigarette. But there comes a point where you, there's, there's a line you cross, you don't even know you've crossed it. And as you cross that line, suddenly... That you are no longer in control of that. That cigarette is in control of you. And that cigarette starts to say when, and it starts to say how often, and it starts to say now is what we want. And then, and then it slowly sucks the life out of you, literally. It sucks the air out of your lungs. It's the, it doesn't do you any good. <laughs> and that's, 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 that's sin. You replace cigarette for whatever it is that you want whether it's alcohol or whether it's a pornography. Oh, but it's just, it's just me looking at this. I mean, you know, it's not hurting anyone. Oh, but it, 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 it may not look like it's actually hurting God. It's destroying your spirit. Even secular psychology is starting to understand how destructive pornography actually is to the mind. It rewires our brain and it affects our perception. Now, please, this is not about making someone feel guilty. The Bible says all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Please, we've all got our version of the cigarette. Can I hear an amen? amen. Mm. <laughs> and we've all got our version of it. And we need to pray and ask God to help us deal with it. Repent then, change your direction, change your life. Turn to God so that times of refreshing may come. Because that's the will of God for us. That's the will of God for your life. Um, there's a scripture that said, I, um, I've shown you the, the way of life. In your presence, there is joy. And I forget the scripture exactly, but it says, in your presence, there are pleasures forevermore. Why do we, why, why do we fall for some of these things? Because we're seeking pleasure. 
And we think somehow this is going to satisfy, this is going to make me happy. No, it's not. God has some, some pleasures for you that are going to blow your mind away. Why settle for this that ultimately is going to destroy you when, when, when God says, just come to me, help me to lead you in a certain path because I'm going to lead you to a place where you're going to be experiencing pleasures you've never imagined. Pleasure is not a sin. Can I hear an amen? Somebody please tell me. It's not a sin to eat a, to eat a pistachio brioche. It's not a sin. It's not a sin. that God, invented, God created those things in Jesus' name. Pleasure is not a sin. There are some pleasures that are a sin. And God has has created us to experience pleasure. And God says, do it my way and you can experience incredible pleasures. Second thing we need to do is deal with the internal effects of sin. Second phrase is cleanse me. David said, verse 7, cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Wash me is about what happens on the outside. Cleanse me is about, you know, uh, how sin affects us on the inside. Sin has this way of marking our spirit, our heart, our mind in a profound way. You've heard me say many times, but it's worth repeating. There's a big difference between guilt and shame. Guilt is what we feel when we do something wrong. I feel guilty. Guilt is not a bad thing. Uh, Guilt is the red light on your dashboard. Something's not right here. Now, there is such a thing as false guilt, and you need to deal with false guilt. People that just feel guilty all the time about everything. Uh, That's a different sermon. But guilt is not a bad thing. It's a red light on our dashboard advising us. Guilt is what we feel when we do something wrong. Shame is about how we feel about ourselves. Guilt says, I made a mistake. Shame says, I am a mistake. Guilt says I did something wrong. Shame says there's something deeply wrong with me. So many of us accept the forgiveness of God, but we still carry the shame inside of our hearts. Good news is that Jesus not only paid the penalty for our sins, but also the shame. Isaiah 61, Spirit of the Lord is on me. He's anointed me to preach good news to the poor, to release the brokenhearted, and so on and so on. As Isaiah 61, it goes on. It's, it's, it's going through verse 1, 2, 3. speaks about the ministry of Jesus. Verse 7. Instead, of, Listen carefully, verse 7, because this is for some people here today. Instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion. And instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. And so you will inherit a double portion in your land, and everlasting joy shall be yours. Is that a powerful scripture? If there are some of you that are struggling with shame today, my heart goes to you. It's not an easy thing to deal with shame. It's easier to deal with guilt than it is to, with shame. Shame is deeper, it's more profound, it marks our spirit. If that's you, I, I want you to get Isaiah 61 verse 7. Put it in your pocket, memorize this scripture. Declare it over your life. And everlasting joy shall be yours in the name of Jesus. Jesus promises to heal our shame and to give us everlasting joy. One of the big challenges for those who struggle with sin is they they can also take on the identity of their sin. I am an addict. I am an alcoholic. I I I am a dysfunctional. I am weak. I can't beat this. I'm not strong like everybody else. David said in Psalm 38, My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. I'm bowed down and brought very low. All day long I go about mourning. 
For some of you, your sin has so overwhelmed you that it's become part of your identity. Given up on trying to change. And just accepted that this is who you are and this is your lot in life. I want you to know if that's you. Come on, church. I want you to know if that's you here today. That's a lie from the devil. You are better than this. You are better than this. I don't care how entrenched you are in this thing. You can get out of it in the name of Jesus. I don't care how powerful this stronghold is over your life. You can get out of it in the name of Jesus. You were created for so much more. This is not who you are. You are not an addict, a gambler, a drunk, or a dysfunctional. You're a child of God washed in the blood of the Lamb, seated in heavenly places. Ephesians chapter 1 tells us, either that's true or forget about it. Let's go and do something else with our lives. power that raised Jesus from the dead is living inside of you and me. And by His grace, by His grace, He can give us the power to overcome whatever it is that we're struggling with. In the name of Jesus. God hasn't brought us this far to only bring us this far. Gary Hurigan preached that sermon earlier on this year. Never forgot that phrase. God hasn't brought you this far to only bring you this far. Someone said, never be a prisoner of your past. It was just a life lesson, not a life sentence. For some of us, we know that we're forgiven by God. We know the blood of Jesus cleanses us. But we're struggling with shame. What we're struggling with is forgiving ourselves. My prayer is that God will set us free from all the debilitating effects of sin. Can I hear an amen? amen. That we would pray, wash me and cleanse me. This brings us to the third principle and that is uh, deal with the root cause. Psalm 51.10, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. It's wash me. Cleanse me, help me to deal with the, in, the internal effects of this. And then it's creating me. Help me to deal with the root cause. I, I, I just love the way David goes deeper. He says, I want you to create in me a heart that seeks after you. A heart that has, uh, that has a predisposition towards the things of God. I love the Passion Translation, how it translates uh, Psalm 51.10. Create a new clean heart within me. Listen, listen carefully. Fill me with pure thoughts and holy desires ready to please you. Question, how does, how does that really happen? Some people try and deal with sin by, make, you know, by making a New Year's resolution. It's going to happen in three or four weeks' time. You know, it's that time of the year, December 31, January 1st. New Year's resolution is, I'm going to quit. Uh, some of us try and deal with sin by willpower. I'm going to be, today's going to be strong. I'm going to change. This year's going to be different. All of that's good, but often the harder you try to stop something, the more you do it. Can I hear an amen? Come on, is anybody, anybody, come on. I said, I will not eat this pistachio brioche. I will not. That was after the 10th one, okay? I said, that's it. The harder, the harder you try to stop something, the, 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 the more you actually do it. So how does God create in us a clean heart? First of all, it's by His grace. It's God by the, His grace that begins to transform our lives. Ezekiel says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. Count all the I wills in this verse. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. How does God give us a clean heart? He does that by giving us a new heart by His grace. Forever going to change, we need to understand it's by the grace of God. That if ever we're tempted to sin and we walk away, 
It's not because we were strong. Man, I'm strong. It's by the grace of God. It's because for some reason God has given us the grace to be able to just walk away from whatever it is that was tempting us. Some people say, well, if, I, if it's just the grace of God, then there's nothing I need to do. That's how you think. You haven't understood scripture. Paul said to the Philippians, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling for it's God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. It's a foundational scripture about how God transforms and shapes us. As we get closer to God, he begins to do a work in our heart by the Holy Spirit. But we also have our part to do and to take responsibility for our heart. And every day we need to make a decision. It's, 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 the two, it's, it's working together. It's by the grace of God. But we also have a responsibility. And every day we make a decision to follow after the purposes of God. We need to read the word. Every time we read the word, our heart changes. Our heart becomes more and more like God's heart. Every time we read the word, the less we read the word, the harder it is. Spend time with God. Speak in tongues. Baptize with the Holy Spirit. Come to church. Be part of a life group. Choose good friends. Go to good places. Can't say, Lord, create in me a clean heart and then do things which displease God. You just can't. Bible says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. Whatever you feed grows, listen, whatever you starve dies. You can't keep feeding something and say, oh, it'll, it's God that will, he'll, he'll get me through. Um, whatever you feed grows, whatever your staff dies. It's really important. The Bible teaches us to resist the devil and he will flee from us. The Bible tells us not to resist temptation. It tells us to flee temptation. <laughs> It doesn't say, well, if you're tempted in a situation, you start talking to it. In the name of Jesus, I resist. No, it, the Bible doesn't say that. If you're faced with a temptation, the Bible says, run. Run. Run by the grace of God. Whatever you feed grows. Whatever you starve dies. If you're struggling with sin, I tell people, I've spoken to many people with with. with challenges with addictions my heart goes to you if that's if that's you here today and you're struggling with an addiction my heart breaks for you spoken to many many people sincere genuine people who say Joe I just I just want this thing to be broken over my life and I'm struggling to do that it's not that they have an evil heart they, they, understanding how and why and all the rest of it doesn't help you deal with the moment and I just want this thing to be broken my experience is this with addictions you can never break it on your own. If you could have broken it, you would have already done so. You need to get some help. That's why the church exists. You need to find someone you can become accountable to, someone you can talk to, someone when you're, when you're, in, when you're facing temptation square on, someone who you can, you can contact who's going to help you just get through those challenging times. Jeremiah says, and I went down to the potter's house. We looked at this a few weeks ago. There he was making something at the wheel. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter, so he made it again into another vessel. And it seemed good to the potter. As we begin to pray, Lord, create in me a pure heart. As we begin to seek after God, God will begin to heal us. 
God will begin to break us and mold us and shape us and, and, and He'll begin to bring people into our lives that are gonna, that are gonna give us the strength and the, that's why the church exists. It's where two or three are gathered in my name. There I am in the midst of them. There's just something powerful about two or three. When two or three agree on something, I'm gonna do it, the Bible says. There's something very powerful about two or three to be able to conquer massive strongholds doesn't undermine the prayer of the individual but there's just something very powerful about that God has called us to be free in the name of Jesus there's one thing that's going to rob us of joy it's guilt shame regret sin has this way of robbing us of joy how do we deal with sin wash me cleanse me create in me there's a there's a path that leads to joy and that's the path of purity path of purity. David then says, restore to me the joy of thy salvation. Never forget that God is a gracious God. Never underestimate the love and the grace of God. Come on church, listen to me. The devil's going to accuse you, pointing his finger at you. You, 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 you. Look at what you've done. Look at who you are. God is a gracious and a loving God. If it were up to me, I would have said, David, you messed up. See you later. You're finished. I certainly would have crossed him off the list. I would not have blessed anything that would have come out of this relationship. No, no siree, I would not have done that. We know that the child that was born to David and Bathsheba died. But they had another son. And they called him Solomon. And he became the next king of Israel. He had all these sons. He could have, he could have, God could have picked anybody, but he, he picked Solomon because the, there's just so much in there. There's, there's just so much in that, in, in, in that decision. There's just so much that speaks about the grace and the mercy and the love of God. That no matter how far we have fallen, we sit abounds. The grace of God abounds all the more. Can I hear an amen somewhere? Communion reminds us of many things. It reminds us of the price that was, the heavy price that was paid for each of our sins. Maybe you're struggling today. I want to take the first step to bring this sin to Jesus and ask the brethren that are going to come and help us 